In a world where it seems totally normal to listen to a podcast about the Toronto Argonauts, it's the X's and Argos podcast. Welcome to the X's and Argos pregame walkthrough for week four, game three, as the Toronto Argonauts take on the Winnipeg Blue Bombers at home this coming Monday. My name is Ben Grant, joined as always by JB. We're going to break down the week for you. We've got a lot to talk about because the whole country is talking about Nathan Rourke. And because of that, the Toronto Argonauts have been taking some negative media attention due to the beatdown they suffered on Saturday. A lot of articles written about the Argonauts that have seemingly sprung out of that negative attention. There's some injuries to update you on. Plus, we'll get into OCDC as the Argonauts prepare for Winnipeg. We've got one thing, our prediction for the game, some fantasy advice as JB, we were winners once again this week, and then we'll make our picks. All that and more coming up on this episode of the X's and Argos podcast. All right, JB, Nathan Rourke, uh, the Nathan Rourke experience as the Argos lived through it. Uh, is seemingly following them back to Toronto because the whole country is talking about this exciting young rookie. And unfortunately, one of the the sort of collateral damage, I guess, in, in that is is that the Argonauts are on the wrong end of highlight reels that are playing on every TV network. And everyone's talking about how pathetic the Argos looked last week, which is really just, you know, it's it's kind of half the story, not even really half the story. Uh, but that's kind of an upsetting uh, situation to find ourselves in. Yeah, in some ways it's okay. I think some of the I think the story is Rourke as opposed to um, you know the Argos you know being terrible to some extent because I think people are really excited about this potential Canadian quarterback star and you know if if he if he keeps this up for a couple of more games. Uh, I think he's going to get some serious interest from the South. Yeah, well, he he looked fantastic last week. And we know he looked really good in week one. We didn't really know how to gauge it because it was Edmonton and we weren't really sure what they were showing. But man, he looked so good carving up Toronto. And you're right, if he puts a couple more weeks together like that, you know, like obviously the the, the money is going to be significantly better down south. There's no there's no way anyone's going to prevent him from from going on that that journey. Right. What like an that, opportunity that would be. A very. I mean, that's the terrible thing, you know, which I'm sure BC Line fans maybe feel is, I mean, what are you going to do when camp's open and he gets an invite from the Seattle Seahawks? Yeah. Right. Like, is he is he not going to go? I I can't see him not going to Seattle. Uh, like, they don't have a starting quarterback, really. Um, you know. So, I mean, that. You know, that puts a bit of a, puts a bit of a damper on it because, like, the elite level he's playing that is going to get interest because um, he is he is slicing and dicing in a way that. Uh, uh, I can't imagine, even with their dismissive attitudes, I can't imagine there aren't NFL scouts who are, you know, curious to see if he can do it for half a season. Well, he's put down better film in the last two weeks than any backup quarterback in the NFL has ever put down. Right. And so uh, he's going to get it, camp invites. There's no chance he doesn't get a camp invite. If it continues, if everything falls apart this week in Ottawa, and there's some, you know, as I said, I was I was so impressed with Nathan Rourke. I, I said in, on our last podcast, we talked about it, that we've, I, I don't think, seen a two-week performance like this in, in decades. However, 
there are some things that are starting to show up as potential areas to attack in his game. And so we'll see what Ottawa does with that this week. BC's on a short week. They're traveling across the country. If it's going, if there's going to be a setback, and Brian Burnham is is out for a few weeks. So if there's going to be a setback in Nathan Rourke's game, it's probably going to be this week. But um, we digress because we kind of are you know going to talk about the the Argos' impact from this. <laughs> um, but but part of the it, it's just such an exciting story. So we we do have to address Nathan Rourke. But yeah, being on the wrong end of that, I think a lot of media outlets not aware of even what Toronto did last season, and maybe not even aware of some of the the great players and some of the great units they've got on this team coming into this game. They just look at that game and they're like, oh, the Argonauts are are terrible. And that's the byproduct of the Nathan Rourke story is that there are all these these pieces uh, hammering the Argos. Um, There are some that are more credible, like you've got a piece from Howard Berger, who's, you know, an Argos fan and and goes to games. Uh, He wrote something um, in uh, Between the Posts that really ripped ownership, which we've seen before, but he also takes a pretty heavy shot at at Coach Dinwiddie, uh, at McLeod Bethel-Thompson. I want to, I want to read you just an excerpt from this article because it's it, it caught me off guard. Uh, I was expecting the ripping of ownership because we have seen that before, and there was more of that this week. Here's, here's what was written on, on Between the Posts. The article, by the way, is Argos Hanging On by a Thread, is the the name of the article. The Argonauts have an owner that no longer cares, an error-prone head coach that would not work elsewhere if available, a journeyman quarterback that has never and will never win anything important, a suspect vastly overworked defense, and a couple of Hall of Fame-bound players nearing the end of their careers. That is not something you want to put on a poster. (laughs) No, I mean, and, you know, in a certain light, uh, I think you can argue all of those things are true. You can. You can find, you know, just like just like an essay. There's enough there that you can dig and you can find points and you can support that. I don't agree with a lot of that. I I agree with the ownership. And you you and I have exhausted that angle. We've, we've talked about that on previous podcasts uh, about the, the ownership and some of the issues they have and haven't had and how they're being, uh, in some cases, unfairly accused of things, but in other cases, it's you know it's pretty clear. But in terms of like I, the head coach and the quarterback, I do not feel this way. And we look at them very closely week to week. Certainly last week, there were issues quarterbacking. There were issues coaching. I don't think you can question that. But I don't think that that's something that you can necessarily say aren't fixable. And I think with... With Coach Dinwiddie, I actually really like him as a head coach. I think I still need to see more from him as a play caller, especially after last week, because I said that going to last week, and I, I need that even more now. But as a head coach, I really don't question him at all. And McLeod Bethel-Thompson, he's, you know, he's he's not the best quarterback in the league, and he's, you know, he's not... He's not going to be competing to be the best quarterback in the league, but he is a good quarterback and he is a good enough quarterback to win a championship with a team that supports him. And so I disagree with those points uh, from from between the posts. Uh, but, I, you know, I, I get at the same time where it's coming from. It's just unfortunate that you know, we always want the Argos to be more covered in the news. And this week, articles pop up all over the place, like an article in The Athletic from Sean Fitzgerald and what's it about? Well, it's it's ripping Argo's ownership. And his article, I think, is called How Do You Fix the Toronto Argonauts? 
It's a long history of all of the different ownership failures. It'd be nice if in a week where people are actually talking about the Argos, if one of these stories were a positive one, were about, hey, go to the game, enjoy yourself. It's the best value in the city. And instead, we're we're getting none of that. No, it's it's an easy target. I mean, in all honesty, they're probably sitting around looking for, you know, this is a dead time of sports. So you're looking for, a, you know, an easy an easy pinata topic. Um, so I'm sure they have a, a template saved where they can, you know, bring it up what to do with the Argos. And now you've got something covered. Uh, I, not to say there are not issues. Um, I think the contrast between a young, energetic, high speed offense um and the argos was jarring and so i think that probably inspired you know some concern is 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 not just the loss but that you looked one team looked like a young team building and one team looked kind of like an old team lost um so that makes sense to me uh from an ownership point of view you know i i think it's it's tough to bang on MLSE um, in that, you know, do do I wish that they were more engaged? Yeah, but, you know, I mean, I think you have to, you know, it's better than being league owned, you know. I mean, it, it really is not like there's a list of owners behind them. It, it, feels, it feels hard to complain about an ownership group that, you know, provided BMO Stadium and pays the checks and you know do do i wish b do i wish mlse was obsessed with winning a great cup yeah of course but i you know that's just that's just not going to happen i mean i i i think that you know the argos attendance is fine um you know if they want to get the average above twenty thousand, they need a star and it's just really hard to find a star in the cfl these days it, it just it's just not the way it's not the way it used to be. I was really encouraged by my trip to Vancouver because I see Vancouver as it's not the same as Toronto, but it's a similar city to Toronto. Certainly, you know, it's it's one of the the big major cities in Canada is Vancouver, Toronto, Montreal in the in the CFL. And it wasn't so much like the attendance for the Toronto game wasn't great. It happened to be a, it was a gorgeous night. It was, you know, and they haven't had good weather in a long time. There were a lot of things going against it. Um, but yeah, the turnout wasn't nearly as good as, as the first week when they had over 30,000 people in, in BC place. But what the positives were walking around the city, everywhere I walked on, you know, especially down the main streets and the downtown core, there are banners, there are posters, there's advertising, there are people wearing BC Lions jerseys all over the place. Every restaurant I went to, I engaged in conversations with uh, servers about the team and they, they knew what they were talking about. They were able to talk intelligently about players and coaches and when the game was and who they're playing without my prompting. And you certainly wouldn't find that in Toronto. You go to a random restaurant in Toronto and start asking those those questions. You're you're going to get a lot of, you know, people know who the Argonauts are, and that's about it uh, for the most part. Uh, and so I was really encouraged by that because BC has had their struggles and they really feel like they're rebounding. The excitement and the energy there, especially among younger people in that in the downtown area, uh, was was really promising, way more so than the attendance figure. And that's what I want for Toronto, is to have people talking about the team, people 
younger than you and I talking about the team and knowing things about the team. And it, it, there's some, you know, the, the posters and the advertising and stuff like that, people say, and, you know, actually I've said, you know, does that really translate into people in the stands and so on? You know what it does do is it gives you as a fan a sense of pride in your team. I would feel just as an Argonauts fan, taking the media part of it aside, as an Argonauts fan, seeing billboards and posters around the city would makes me feel good. Now, I don't know if that I don't know what that translates into, but having a proud fan base is I think a benefit. And I think that's something that you do see in BC. You've got pride in that team, especially now. Wait to see what attendance looks like in their next home game if they beat Ottawa because I bet you it starts building. But I want to see a proud Toronto fan base and supported by billboards and in advertising and visibility. Yeah, I mean, I I don't know. I agree. I mean, I do agree. It would be nice for there to be a higher profile. I didn't think the home opener had much of a profile at all. Um, But does that, you know, I mean, look at BC, even with all that, you know, they're still only pulling 13,000. Yeah, but that's a slow. That's it's it's gonna come though. Maybe, the the attendance won't maybe, change overnight. Maybe, maybe we'll see. Maybe, but they have a star, and to me, it's just that. It's it's that simple. If you you can't have posters without a star, who who are you gonna put on the poster? And that and I don't blame the guys. I mean, most teams in the CFL don't have a star. I mean, I think it's a league wide concern that look, we have elite athletes and they are amazing. And you and I, who both love football, appreciate it. But for the average fan, you know, they want to see somebody who's going to be electric. And it's just really hard to get electric players from the States now. There, there are more leagues, whether it be Arena or XFL, USFL. Um, NFL scouting is far more open to sizes that they would never have accepted before. So, like, who who got ignored by the NFL? Like, basically, nobody gets ignored by the NFL anymore. Where the CFL really made a living off people that were ignored. So, I think that's that's kind of a structural problem, um, you know that 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 the teams have to deal with. Um, yeah, I mean, I it would be nice to have, um, you know, I mean, we, you know, the last thing I would say is, you know, I think that one of the things that we have mentioned in the past is there needs to be way more outreach with all of the, especially in Toronto, with all of the high school football, with all of the um, GTA, Golden Horseshoe football summer leagues, you know, that they need to be emailing coaches with promotions, with free tickets, you know, all of that. You know, there's tons of kids playing Canadian football in the GTA and they should absolutely be finding a way to get them to games. And, you know, you're just going to have to eat, you're going to have to eat the price and basically give them $10 tickets and, you know, see if you can get, you know, 20% of them, 10% of them to want to keep going, you know? So I, I think that's an undiscovered market that they have not, that they have not, figured out and I, I that's where I would start I would start with coming up with a comprehensive strategy to involve a fairly healthy uh, you know youth football infrastructure that exists in the GTA 
they do a really good job with their youth flag leagues like for younger kids i think especially there's some really good stuff there in their in their flag leagues but i think what you're talking about is a much bigger scale like you're sort of talking about like an all high schools in the gta blitz yeah like every single right. school especially those with the football team F- find the coaches emails contact the coach talk to the coaches i mean or not a mail out i mean a really specific we're going to reach out to coaches you know, we're going to try and, and they've done a little, but like a more developed relationship with the coaches in the GTA because, you know, there is a lot of youth football. And I, I think that's something to look at anyways, but we're, we're getting, we're getting, that's a, you know, that's a, that's an off, that's an off, that's an off season story. It is an off season topic. The one last thing on that is what you're talking about requires it's got to require at least one full-time employee yeah, on co- that. Cost money. Yeah, at least that. And I'm not saying it's not worth it, though. I think that I think that there's something there. I think there's an idea there. But you're talking about a full-time job who's, you know, a person whose job it is to around the clock be contacting because this is this is a, a lot of a lot of time on the phone, a lot of time on email, a lot of communication, a lot of a lot of postage, uh, a lot of visiting schools. But again, I do think worth it. But yeah, let's we'll 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 bring this up another time when there's less to talk about. We've got a game to talk about. Let's change our focus here as we start looking ahead to the game against the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. There continue to be some injury concerns, although I'm hoping this week it's a little less dire than it has been. But there's a pretty good chance the Argos are without two more starters this week. So we haven't received an official injury report yet. They don't have to post them. The game being on Monday this week, injury updates don't start coming out until tomorrow. But just going off what we saw in last week's game, I think we have to expect the team is going to be without Dejon Allen and Deshaun Amos. I think both of those guys probably miss. So you're talking about missing your fieldside halfback and you're talking about missing your right tackle. So... Are these going to be solved by people coming back? Uh, defensive back? No. I don't think there's someone coming back that is just going to fill in nicely for Deshaun Amos. Um, offensive line, maybe. It's possible that Isaiah Cage is going to come back this week. The, the three big pieces that I think come back for this week are Shane Ray, Declan Cross, Isaiah Cage. And Isaiah Cage, is there's an asterisk there, but man, they need him to come back. Because if Allen is down... And again, I think that's going to be the case. Cage needs to play and be at left tackle. And then they've got to move Tate to right tackle. And aside from that, you're in a pretty rough scenario. Because otherwise, it's, you know, Shane Richards is, is starting at right tackle, which I'm okay with. But but we just don't have, there are no tackle backups from guys that are ready to go. There, there are guys in the team I'm really excited about. Kofi Apaya, I'm really excited about. He's not ready yet. There's a bunch of guys I'm excited about that just aren't ready yet that I don't want to see out there. So that's the big question. And that's what we're going to be following this week is how's Isaiah Cage doing? Is he going to be ready to play this week or not? Or by some miracle, is Dejon Allen okay? So that's, that's the sort of big question for injuries. But it's going to be nice to get Shane Ray back on the field and Declan Cross on the field. I really think that we'll see both of them dressing on Monday. Yeah, great to see Ray because I think that, you know, not to jump ahead, but I think that there is some 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 hay to be made against that Winnipeg offensive line. It's your favorite time of the show, JB. It's time for OCDC. 
If you're new to the show, OCD sees a segment where JB is the defensive coordinator for both the Toronto Argonauts and the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. I will be the offensive coordinator for both teams, and we'll give you our strategies for this week's game and how we would attack the opposition. So let's start out as the visiting Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Uh, JB, you're up first. You are the defensive coordinator for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. What do you do to defend the Argos? Uh, that's a well. That is a great question. Um, Toronto is much better at home. Um, I'd be looking for a bounce back game. I think that clearly Harris is is going to want to be a huge part of this game plan. Um, I I would I would focus on stopping Harris, um, especially in that first quarter. So I would I would definitely uh, make that a priority in terms of stopping the run. They haven't shown that the pass is worthy of focus or worthy of any special game plan. Um, so I'm I'm looking to stuff the run. Uh, I'm looking to to get after the quarterback. I think Toronto is a team that's quite fragile in its ego, you know, offensively. Uh, I don't think they feel very confident about what they're doing at all, and I am not going to let them get confident with quick passes or easy passes or swing passes run. I, I play very aggressively in that first quarter. I think you you want to get in Toronto's head because, you, you know, they, they are a team that's not totally sure about themselves, and so I'm, I'm looking to, to be aggressive with my front five, especially against that Argos offensive line. Um you know, it's a nightmare matchup, in all honesty, if, if you're looking at the guys that are moving in and out and that Winnipeg front five, uh, which can be just out of control when they are fired up. So uh, I'm bringing heat, I'm loading up on run blitz, and then, you know, I'm just playing standard, standard cover, you know, cover three behind myself. Uh, but uh, yeah, I, th- I think that that's the, that's the plan is to speed that clock up and and get inside um Dinwiddie's head get inside Macbeth's head you know really make them start to question themselves in that first quarter offensively for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers I'm going to try and do a lot of what BC did uh this past week because we've had two straight games that the Argos have played where the defensive backs looked uh, lost, confused, had trouble communicating. And I did a film piece that just came out today uh, on that. If you haven't had a chance to see it, I break down uh, basically the communication failures in the Toronto secondary. It's a secondary that I have faith in, that I believe in, and that I think will rebound. But I think until they do, you've got to keep testing them that same way. So what that means is in in, in zone situations, you've got to try and deliver on concepts that really challenge the discipline of defenders and the communication of defenders. So uh, routes that travel through multiple zones, uh, especially trips and and quads or four by one sets um, where there's a lot of movement. So high lows on linebackers, high lows on the safety uh, floods uh, that, that really put the pressure on defensive backs to make a call uh, and to know who the responsibility is and who they're supposed to leave. Uh, and I would keep sending, I'd keep sending, a, I'd keep sending outside go routes because that, as, as simple as it sounds, outside go routes along the sideline have just crushed the Argos in the first couple of weeks. And so I'll make that part of the backside um, outside go routes. And, and that would be my main focus. Sure, you're going to mix and runs and everything else, but that is mainly how I'm going to attack 
the Toronto Argonauts and force them to do something they haven't done yet this year and and defend without without busting. Let's move over to the good guys, JB. Uh, you're the defensive coordinator for the Toronto Argonauts. How do you stop these Winnipeg Blue Bombers? Well, the Bombers are a, a not weird. The Bombers are a very boring team. When you watch their games, they they don't really have a, an elite offense. Um, they just are really fundamentally sound. They they don't turn over the ball very much. Um, you know, they, they're able to, to get some decent yardage on first down and then they move the chains. Um, you know, if you play run, they'll pass. Um, you know, they don't have a star running back. They don't have a star receiver. They're just really well run. Um, so they, they basically demand that you don't bust and they demand that you play perfect football. Like in terms of a strategy, um, there, there, there's nobody really to focus on. Uh, I, I don't think that they're actually that good offensively. Um, you know, I, it's just a question of can you play, you know, penalty-free, smart, physical football um, for the full game. That's what they ask of teams and most cannot, uh, which is why they win. So I think, you know, from a defensive point of view, uh, I want to bring secondary heat uh, we did like against BC. We just were not getting any pressure at all. I think you have to gamble at this point. Um, you know, especially, especially if you've got some some secondary injury issues. I, I want to bring, I want to bring cornerback blitzes. I want to bring halfback blitzes. Um, so I, I'm I'm looking to bring heat there. Um, I'm I'm not that worried about the run. Honestly, I think that that's not going to be the difference uh, defensively. I, I'm, you know, I'm I'm getting rid of zone. I, I I don't think we can run it. I don't know. You know, we just don't have the guys who can run it with each other. Uh, I'm I'm trying to stay in tight man coverage, and you know, hopefully Caleros, you know, makes a mistake because we're heating him up, and uh, I think that's the best you can do. And so you know, it's not a, it's not an exotic defensive response, but Winnipeg doesn't run an exotic offense. I think you, you know, you're, you're looking to just play good defensive football. They're not BC. Like they're not roar. They, they shouldn't chew you up. Um, if, if you're in position and you're playing good ball. So I would, I would keep it simple, heat them up with the secondary blitzes and, uh, you know, and hope that the man coverage can get much tighter. And I'll move to the Toronto offensive side of the ball. This in rewatching, I, I feel like you had the same experience. But in rewatching the the Winnipeg Hamilton game and going back and seeing some of the Winnipeg Ottawa stuff, Winnipeg's not a very exciting team to watch. They they might be the least interesting team on film uh, in the entire league because they it's like you said they just they do their job really well and that's it. And there's no bells and whistles. It's just they don't make mistakes. Um, it's like like Iceman and Top Gun. They you know eventually you make a mistake and they capitalize on it. Yeah, they, um, I mean they reminded me you know of a uh, a team that I I also enjoy. But you know they reminded me of the Patriots with Matt Castle or Mac Jones, not not with Brady. You know due respect to to Zach Claris. Um, you know where look we're gonna come out here and we're gonna throw this ball you know fifteen to twenty times. And we're going to give you good, easy reads, and we're going to move the ball down the field. 
and the defense is going to get a turnover and we're going to win 24-17. <laughs> and the, the opposition every week must be like, well, I thought that went all right. But I'm we sure lost. when they look at film, teams feel confident heading into that game because you're like, okay, like, I mean, we can cover that. But, you know, they, just the turnovers kill you. They just, you know, you just, it's all on the offense. You just can't turn that ball over. And uh, that front five is a problem when they get going. You know, um, I thought Hamilton, you know, could easily have won that game. The score, you know, looked like they got it handed to them. But Hamilton easily could have won that game. But, you know, Winnipeg is is just such a well-coached team. Um, You know, from a football point of view, they're they're really beautiful to watch. Yeah, <laughs> not not exciting to watch, but beautiful to watch. Uh, and in, as a coach, especially, you love teams like that. They just don't make mistakes and do what they're supposed to do. Everyone's in the right spot. Everyone does their jobs, make the right reads, block the right guy. Uh, and that's priority one for the Toronto offense. Don't turn the ball over, like you said. That's got to be number one. Number two. Toronto's got to run. They have to be able to run the ball successfully. And a few things from that. So first of all, as you alluded to, the Winnipeg defensive front is is dangerous. And so I don't feel like this can be a game where Toronto has to drop back and throw the ball all over the place. I think if everything goes well and you do get some success running as that defensive line tires a bit and as they start rotating a bit, now you can now you can start with some play action and, and maybe start picking them apart a little bit. But you have to be successful running the ball. Uh, it's it's the way to beat Winnipeg. And that's you look back to last year and the, the game that Toronto beat Winnipeg in Toronto. It was running the football. That was what killed Winnipeg is that Toronto was able to run the ball and then the passes came off that. It's got to be the same game plan this week. They don't have the linemen this week most likely to be, I'm not even sure they had that last week, but they, they just don't have the personnel to be able to drop back 30, 40 times and and not get crushed by this this Winnipeg front. So they need to run the football and then everything off of that, play action off of that, misdirection off of that. I want to see quick screens, three-step drops, kind of like what, a little bit of like what BC ran passing-wise in, in week one against Edmonton, where there was just, there was no time to to get to Rourke. I want to see that with, with Macbeth this week. I, I want to see short concepts where there's just not time for these guys to get to him and they can keep him on his feet. <laughs> I, oh my God. I hope, I hope that's the plan. I mean, Jeff Goat and Jefferson and like, ugh, they, they are going to cause havoc if we, I mean, I, I just hope the screen game, the, uh, the quick, the quick hitter game, the slants, I hope that's all in max protect but the running has to be there because it doesn't work if you can't run. If you are stuck only throwing, there's, it's, it's over. So the running game needs to be there. The last thing I want to see is four by one sets. When Toronto, Toronto really hasn't run a lot of a lot of quads this year. And watching Hamilton line up like that last week against Winnipeg, Winnipeg will give you sort of like a three by two look against that. So basically shifting over, but essentially you've got three defenders uh, on four receivers and you've got not quite a double team to the other side, but uh, it's, it's certainly you know more that way. 
I love that look for Toronto, if that's what they're giving you. And I wouldn't, Toronto likes to isolate Banks when they go into that look. I think you isolate Daniels and you go into, your quads on the other side has to have Banks in there because he operates way better coming, you know, not being on the line with a waggle and in behind other bodies. So I think there are opportunities there, especially against three defenders. Even if you're running like all hooks on the quad side or 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 those quick screens that we just talked about to the, to the quad side. Um, and then you've got opportunities for Daniels to be a star. You know, show us if they are going to adjust and they're going to bring that fourth defender over and leave Daniels one-on-one. Okay, well, this is your time. This is why you're paid. This is why you're our number one guy. Uh, go and Go and win those battles. And I do think he can do that. So that's another thing I want to see this week. And, uh, you know, if we see all those things, I feel quite confident that, that Toronto's going to win this football game. One thing, JB, um, my one thing for this week, I'll go first. I want to see 100 yards rushing for the team. I, I don't care how it's distributed. I want to see at the end of this game, the team has 100 yards rushing. If they get 100 yards rushing, they will win this football game. All the other things have to fall in place too. But if they run for 100 yards, they win the game. That's my one thing. Where are you going? Uh, mine is a bounce back for the secondary. Um, pretty achievable goal, I feel. I, I'd like to keep Caleros under 300. Um, I think that uh, that's there. You know, uh, you know, if, if Dembski's out, um, I, I think that is there. I, I, I don't think Winnipeg has has a high-powered offense. I think the secondary can can bounce back and and be closer to who we think they are. Um, against this Winnipeg team I, I really do so I'm, I'm hoping I'm looking for uh you know I'm I'm over two this season but now I'm looking to keep pass yardage under 300. My prediction this week after choosing the Argos to lose last week correctly did, I might you, add you did you I I I foresaw it but I, I can't I can't say that I went all the way well, I'm I'm back on the double blue bandwagon this week. I think this is I think this is a much the, the team needs this win so badly for so many reasons, and I think they do it. I think the Argos win 21-20, and I think the things we talk about happen. I think the DBs play a great game. I think McLeod Bethel Thompson plays a solid mistake-free game, and I think the Argos are able to run the football. It's tight, but they win 21-20. Uh, I am also picking the Argos to win. Um... I would say probably veering dangerously close to homerism. Um, but I, I do believe that the Argos are very good at home. Uh, they have shown in the last two years that they match up well with Winnipeg and, and Mike O'Shea's plans. Um, so I'm, I'm going to give it to the Argos 24-22. Uh, it's time for our world-famous fantasy advice, and we're coming off another win, JB. We're on fire right now, defeating the Canadian Football Countdown by 0. .08 or something like that. <laughs> yeah. it was, oh, it was so tight. We basically won on the last completed pass uh, that uh, that Lucky Whitehead took in, and that was enough to... We were down by a point, and... Uh, and on that, we went up by I mean, by point point eight. I mean, let's just say uh, it, it, it's it's looking dynastic. <laughs> a win is a win, I'll say. Uh, we got a huge matchup this week because we take on Podsky Wee Wee. So taking on the 
taking on the the Hamilton Tiger Cats podcast. Uh, this this has to be a win for us. So let's go through some of our advice. I, I think general strategies first, then we can kind of go through our lineup. But things I like, I like BC receivers this week. Burnham's Burnham's out, and I, I think everywhere else is is going to like you can really spend on Lucky Whitehead. I think he's worth it this week. Um, but there's some value in there as well on some of the other BC receivers. So I would spread that around a little bit. Uh, other things I like, I think Hamilton defense, if you want to keep going, you know, we're not going that way this week, but I think there's there's good value there. The Going against the Elks every week until they give you a reason not to isn't a bad thing. And while I don't personally recommend this, if you uh, can can sort of mentally deal with it, I think taking Dane Evans this week, he needs to have a huge game because he's got Shields breathing down his neck. Everyone's talking about it. And I think if there's a get right game for you, it's probably the Elks right now. So he's got pretty good value there as well. Uh, I, I, I can't wait for this game. This game is, um, you know, it, yeah, it's going to be a great game. It, it's it's fun like uh, Arbuckle, um, the idea of Arbuckle beating the Ticats uh, amuses me. I would love to see, I'd love to see the Elks come in and uh, and hand Hamilton a loss. But uh, I, I do think I do think there's room for Evans to to carve them up a bit. I would avoid all Montreal players this week. I think Saskatchewan is going to pound Montreal into the ground this week, and so I'm pro almost anyone Saskatchewan, anti almost anyone Montreal this week. Although I think there's some value. We'll talk about that in a second. And then I think Toronto receivers. There's really good value. You get like Davaris Daniels for like six thousand. There's 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 value to be had, and there's reason for that. But I think this is a week that you'll see them at least put up respectable numbers. Let's go through sort of our ideal lineup quickly here, JB. So we like McLeod Bethel-Thompson this week at 8,165. Uh, why do we like McLeod Bethel-Thompson, <laughs> JB? Um, uh, well, he's not a quarterback for the Hamilton Tiger Cats, so mm-hmm. he had that going for him. That's true. Um, it it has to. He, he, he has to have... A good game. I mean, if he doesn't have a good game, I I think you you have to look, you know, at I think you have to look at replacing him. I, I you know honestly I think if he like he was not good in the opener, he was worse in the second game. Um, you know, it's not like he has a ten year history. Uh, you know, honestly, I know Kelly's not ready to go in, but. I think it's a big game for him. I I believe he will be he will be better. I I do uh, believe in him. I I think that he's going to he's going to be dialed in. I re- I really do. I you know I'd, I'd be shocked if he was poor again. Yeah, I feel the same way, and I think it's great value here. I don't know. I don't think he's going to lead the league this week. I don't think he's going to put up 400 yards and four touchdowns or anything like that. But I think he's going to have solid numbers, and I think for 8,165, wonderful value, and that's usually what we're about. For for running backs, we we also like the sort of mid value play, and we we've been riding Brady Oliveira all year long, and he's still a good price. <laughs> he he's five thousand three hundred. Our, our, and our he, moderately priced running back god. Yeah, he's great. Keep taking him until he gets up to like six and a half thousand. Keep keep pounding Brady Oliveira because that's that's the the best deal in in fantasy and it has been since since week one. Now we're taking a little bit of a gamble with our second running back. We're going with David Mackey, uh, who uh, we saw <laughs> we saw up close and personal in the 
the BC game this past week. I, I think there's a good chance that that Butler's out this week. But even if he's not, I don't think he's going to get the same workload. And they obviously have faith in him running the ball because he ran for 90 yards. He, lo- he looked fantastic. So uh, I think for 2,500, it's a minimum play. If you can get someone who may get some points at all for 2,500, you do it. And so I think that's that's money well spent. Even if he only gets us like you know three or four points, I'm okay with that. Uh, in in our league, you can't leave spots blank, so that's that's something that makes sense for us. For receiver, a uh, really nice value here in Devaris Daniels at six thousand six hundred. I, I like that play because if we're feeling confident that McLeod Bethel Thompson is going to rebound, then that means either Curly Gittens Jr. or Devaris Daniels, one of those two guys, is is going to have a, a good game. And I think Devaris, as a number one receiver at that price, is too good to pass up on. The other side uh, for receiver, we got Lucky Whitehead, who's expensive, but with Brian Burnham out, Lucky Whitehead, even when he has a bad game, you know, has close to 100 yards. And, you know, if he can throw in a touchdown somewhere there, it was he was sort of used a bit as a decoy against Toronto. And I think this week they have a lot of stuff planned just for him. So 9,900, it's expensive, but I think you get points. Then for our flex, I really like Keon Hatcher. I was talking about how I like the other BC receivers. Uh, he he did some nice work. He, he was a, a pretty not an exciting target last week, but he still had a, a ton of targets and catches. He's not a guy that's going to go deep for you and and make a lot of highlight real catches in the end zone. But he's a solid target, um, and I think for three thousand nine hundred twenty six, he's going to get at least um, your money's worth in points this week. And then defense, we went with uh, Saskatchewan Rough Riders, which is slightly above the minimum that you'll you'll pay. But for that extra $208, I really think they're going to dismantle Montreal this week at home after they got embarrassed last week. So I think that's money well spent. Uh, anything else stand out to you fantasy-wise? That's that's a pretty good, I think a pretty thorough wrap-up. But anything, were we arguing about any of these players at, at any point? Uh, well, you, you, <laughs> you seemed more comfortable with having a Hamilton tinge to our team than I was. It's true because I do think I do think Hamilton I do think Hamilton looks better this week, and I think they win the game this week. And so uh, I, I think, if you well, can stomach I mean, it, they have to, don't they? Yeah, well, that's the thing. And same, it's the same thing with going like with McLeod Bethel-Thompson. If you believe in McLeod Bethel-Thompson, he should be in your fantasy lineup this week. If you believe in Devers Daniels, he should be in your fantasy lineup this week. Uh, if you believe in the Tiger Cats, and I don't like to, but I think they're going to win this week, then I think there is some some value there because Evans' price is so low and Hamilton's defense uh, at a minimum is is pretty good value if you wanted to to take a spin with, with them. Especially with but, that delicious Mazzoli game on the horizon. Yeah, that one I can't wait for. That's going to be much must-watch TV. It's time for our picks, JB. And just to update the good people at home, uh, I am now winning in our yearly head-to-head, mm-hmm. uh, which I think we have a... Do we have a sub-sandwich on the line for this one? <laughs> I believe so. So I'm at 9-3 and three after a perfect week. You are at 8-4. and four. Uh, Let's go through this week. So uh, BC is at Ottawa Thursday night. Uh, where are you going with this one? Well, the league... Uh, unlike many leagues, is still such a home-heavy uh, league. You know, like I mean, just home home teams are are crushing it this season. Um, you know, BC's coming across the country; it's their first road trip. Um, I'm gonna uh, look. I'm going out there. I'm gonna say this is an Ottawa win. Uh, that that's, that BC that's nice. is going to be feeling themselves. 
and I thought Ottawa held their own against Winnipeg. Ottawa's at home. I got I got an Ottawa upset. Yeah, I've got that too. I'm surprised you do. I was sure you were going to have BC in that one. Yeah, I like for the same reasons you said. I think now we we may look ridiculous after this one. I, I think there's a good chance I go 0 and 4 this week because I'm taking some risks. But yeah, I'm with you on Ottawa. I think this is a good week to pick them. I think they, I think they they went at home against BC. BC's got the short week, and that's so tough when you're traveling yeah, that far. It, it's got like all the red flags for an upset, and if it's not an upset, then I believe BC is going to the Grey Cup. So let me just say that. If their quarterback isn't in the NFL by then. <laughs> also, BC fans, your quarterback is going to play for the Seattle uh, Seahawks. So get used to that. Game two, Edmonton at Hamilton. Uh, I've got Hamilton in this one, like I talked about. I think you pick against Edmonton until they give you a reason not to. They haven't yet. I know Hamilton's 0-3. This is the battle of the basement. I just can't see the Tiger Cats losing this no, one. No, I, I think they blow the doors off Edmonton. On Canada Day, place is going to be juiced. Uh, yeah, I think they win big. Montreal at Saskatchewan. I've already talked about this a bit. Yeah, I think, I think Saskatchewan... Just hammers Montreal yeah, this week. Deal. They were they were embarrassed. Same yeah, deal. So it, was, it, was a, it was a bad. It was a bunch of bad scenarios for Saskatchewan. Montreal at home is brutal, as we know. Like they are, they are a force at home, as actually a lot of the CFL is oddly. Um, and again, crowd's going to be juiced up July second. Uh, another one. I, I think they. I think they take them to the shed. And then we both got Toronto uh, in the Toronto Winnipeg matchup on Monday night. So it's uh, we're we're the same. We're on board with mm. with all four of our picks this week, uh, for better or worse. So that's that's what we got. Yeah, I feel okay about it. Um, yeah, I I, I feel I, I feel good about about most of them. <laughs> I'm not sure. We'll, we'll I think we'll get a sense. Like if that Ottawa one doesn't go the way we think, it it could be that we're 0 and four after this week. But we're we're due for a bad week. We haven't really had one yet. So. I, I, I think, I think the worst we are is two and two. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You can, you can bet your out there. You can bet your house on Ty Cats, Saskatchewan. Don't. This is for entertainment purposes only. No, you should not only. bet your house. But if but, you yeah, were to say good. bet your neighbor's house, that's that's the one I would do. Uh, make sure you check out xsandargos.com for all our stuff. As I said, I got a film piece. I got an article coming out a little bit later this week as well. For JB, this is Ben Grant saying so long, and may all your pre-snap reads be good ones. I'll see ya.